All right, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week, we're going to talk to Jason and Fisher Smith. And if you want to find out a little bit more about them, go check out Smith's Fishing Outdoors on YouTube. I know they've been super consistent with their YouTube channel. Uh, Fisher and Jason both do a great job with it. I, you know, I my hats off to them. Putting out consistent content on YouTube is a it's a challenge. And so Fisher's a younger gentleman, and Jason's his dad, and they've been you know fishing together basically since you know Fisher was born pretty much, and he's making quite a name for himself in the musky world. And we finally hooked up with him here on the podcast, and so we're gonna dial up that conversation in a little while. I'm fresh off of a trip to Tennessee. That was a, a good time. I, you know, it was a, it was a quick, when I say fly down, it was a quick 12 hour drive down. And then we hung out for a couple of days and then we had a quick 12 hour drive back. And so that's out of the way. So hopefully it'll clear my schedule now for a little bit of fishing, but it was a, it was a much needed trip for, you know, people that listen to the podcast. My dad had passed away last year. It was like basically a year ago. And then he wanted his he wanted his ashes spread in the Smoky Mountains, and I had never been there, and so that was a pretty cool deal. But we're back, you know. I haven't been on the water since basically the opener, so now we're pushing. Let's see, where are we? A little over two weeks, just about three weeks. I'm hoping to end that streak real soon, and then, you know. So hopefully next episode I'll have something to talk about, whether it be good or bad. Uh, and Brad, I know you. You haven't been out as much either. Like things have been keeping you in the shop a little bit longer, but. I'm thinking that you're going to be ending that streak as well, too. That is true, Jeff. Uh, it's kind of the craziest spring that I think I've ever had where I haven't hit the water a ton. I, I've got about 12 hours on the water. Now, keep in mind, we're a week early on this podcast. So uh, the first two weeks have been a little bit slower for me than I've normally ever done. So it's been kind of a wild ride. But hey. It's going to change all starting tomorrow. Um, I will be hitting the water and getting after some open water trolling, Jeff. Well, I know at this point, the weather is definitely changing, Brad. I mean, we're dodging storms and bad, you know, there was some serious stuff that was in my area tonight. For anybody that cares, I mean, I think it's like the 15th of June that we're recording this podcast. It's pretty rare that we're, you know, basically a week ahead because we just released the last episode with Stuart today. And it's bad storms in my area took part of, you know, a couple shingles off my roof, which was fine because I already, I'm already getting a new roof based off the hail damage that we had from April. But so things are definitely changing. I mean, changing rapidly. We have hot heat today. It looks like some more heat tomorrow. And I know it's spotty for temperatures coming up here, but it still looks like we're going to be about in the 80s. So, I mean, the bites are going to heat up if you haven't been on the water much like Brad and I have been and. Now's the time to change that and get out and put some muskies in the in the boat. They should be, you know, well past the spawn and starting to set up in their summer patterns. You know, I'm sure, Brad, you're going to be chasing them in open water. I know I'm going to play around with that a little bit here pretty soon, too. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, we kind of had a relatively cool spring. And, you know, it, storms kind of seem to be the ticket this year. I mean, <laughs> they started in April and they've kind of just held on, right? So... We are finally getting some of that really, really warm weather. And I know if you look at the 10-day right now, it's a little bit scary. I mean, they're talking some upper, like, 100 degrees, uh, upper 90s. And then I know I talked to a buddy of mine down in the cities, and they were talking next Monday, like, 106 degrees. I mean, come on. That, that's crazy here in Minnesota. But, hey, it's going to warm up the water. The fish are going to start going. And it's time to get out. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's hope we move on. Well, let's hope we avoid that 106 degrees. Obviously, we won't know about it until next week. But you know, we could just uh, and just get you know, let's get that gradual warm up. I don't want any of that real high stuff. You know, it's nice when you know the water temperatures don't get too warm because a first off, we don't have to talk about hot water and and hot water safety because that's never any fun because that means that anglers are getting off the water and then they got to go bass fishing and stuff and we don't want to talk about that. If you're getting out and you need gear for your next musky fishing adventure, make sure you check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. I'm sure we just got some new gear in. We always get new gear every week, new colors of this, new colors of that. So plunk around on our website a little bit and check that out. And Brad, where else should they be checking out? Well, hopefully they come and check MuskyMayhemTackles.com uh, out. And uh, we can provide you with pretty much any kind of blade bait you're looking for. So truly appreciate our customers. And uh, that's where you can take a look at our, some of our gear. And with that little infomercial between Team Rhino and Muskie Mayhem out of the way, 
Let's go dial up our conversation with Jason and Fisher Smith. All right, our guests this week are Jason and Fisher Smith. How are you two guys doing tonight? Doing great. Awesome. It's been good. It's been a really good season to start out with here in northern Wisconsin. All right. Well, we will get to that. But first off, first time you've, we've had you guys on our podcast, and we want to thank you again for coming out and taking some time out of your schedule to do this with us. Why don't you talk about your background? Uh, you know, Jason, why don't you kind of go over yours, and then you know we'll jump into Fisher after that. I was guiding on Pewaukee Lake from be like 92 to 2003. I lived down there, worked in Milwaukee for a while. And got to enjoy Pewaukee. I mean, it's still a great lake, but in its heyday, you could, I mean, it was, it was, we put a lot of fish in the boat. And it was a great lake to really learn about, learn and, and get clients on fish and, and all that. It was, it was a blast. Uh, came up to uh, northern Wisconsin, wanted to move the family up in a smaller area. So moved to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Love the lakes around here. We got 18 musky lakes within 35 minutes. A lot of variety with the off the Chippewa river and some regular inland lakes too. And I didn't guide for a while cause I, I've wanted to kind of really concentrate on, on learning the lakes and dial things in and you know, obviously raise my kids when they were younger and all. And then I went back into guiding, I think it was 2016 and guided till to tell COVID 2020. And then I ended up with a uh, diabetes. So I really had to kind of stop again. And, and it's, it just got so hard to, to, to stand all day in the boat and now fortunately i've gotten things straightened out health-wise but you know we fisher and i've worked on on our, our show tell them about our, our channel so we have a youtube channel smith fishing outdoors we post once a week of musky content in the winter we have some ice fishing content and we try to get a musky in each show but if we've moved few fish we're still going to post the video because that's fishing that's fishing you know we'd we filmed one last week that, uh, or actually two days ago. That it's a good show, but it, it like doesn't have fish. it doesn't have two monsters in it. But it's got it's a good show. <laughs> we moved like six fish, had them coming in eating our baits, but they just couldn't get hooks. That's fishing. So that's us in a nutshell. It's all about filming right now. We kind of run all over the Midwest, Minnesota. We're doing. We're going to be out Lake St. Clair, I think, later on, on a few different other places, and it's fun. It really is. Iowa earlier in the season we got three fish in iowa like i think it was april 8th or 9th we were down there yeah i mean it was uh it was blast so so fisher let's talk a little bit about when you got started in muskies what's i mean because i mean let's first off why don't you tell everybody how old you are because i don't think everybody realizes exactly you know how old you are you're not a very you're a very experienced angler but you're not a very old age i'm 13 years old and uh i started musky fishing when i was three Caught my first one trolling. I didn't even hold the rod. I just cranked it up in the rod holder. And Crank, he cranked it to the rod tip. <laughs> so I've been musky fishing since then. I got my first musky when I was three, and I'm up to 154 right now, which is pretty good number. I was I was trying to get 100 back in 2020. It was I made a pretty good a good run for it. A good run. Sure. Yeah, he catches more than more than I do now because he said he runs the bow, and of course I got to sit down with my diabetes. I don't allow my feet get so bad. I don't and, like to leave you a lot of water, and you don't leave me much water. I mean, prime example was the the Muskie Zinc Fall Tournament last year. He got with a three day tournament. He caught four, and I caught none, and he just pretty much took it, took me to town. So, but so the students become the teachers, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you guys mentioned that your YouTube channel, and you mentioned that you've been able to put out consistent content. Let's talk a little bit about the challenge of that before we jump into, you know, how your season's starting off. You know, what kind of challenges do you have? What kind of editing? I mean, how long does it take you to edit these things? Why don't you give the listeners a little idea of the amount of time and effort you guys put into your YouTube channel? It usually takes about eight, six to eight hours to edit the videos and get them completely done. And it's a lot of work having camera problems and it's raining. We had a little outing the other day. It was raining all day. We couldn't have any cameras out. So we didn't get that much footage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you have to kind of go backwards and end up trying to grab the cameras just as the fish hits the net. And, 
and you know get your quick footage of it and talk about it and i mean that's all you can do when it's when it's when it's pouring rain but we had four fish in the boat so we had we had to film them you also when we we fish our our league every week and we forget sd cards for the gopros so we can't (laughs) we have one camera out Uh, yeah typically we run four though uh we have one kind of mounted on the console one in the in the back they're using those yule stick um and put one in the le- in the back light receptacle, and then one in the front light receptacle, and then then we'll have uh, a chesty on Fisher, and then I we got a Canon A sixty four hundred for doing our interview ca- stuff and everything, and that's got a nice directional mic and everything on it. It's kind of fun. So I don't know. It's just fun. We make a little money on the AdSense dollars, and, and Fisher does. I mean, helps you buy a few, and then he buys another GoPro with it. So he just <laughs> just what it is. Yep. Who does the editing? Is it Fisher or is it a team effort? How does that go together? I start by going through all the footage, putting it in, like putting a story together, putting some music in there, and then he does a little bit more of the harder editing. I, I like doing the slow mos and anything, final cut stuff like that. It's kind of fun to do, and so he's starting to learn more of that. But he gets ninety percent of it, all the base work, all done, and and he gets the story down, and he, you know it's his story, it's how it plays out. So. Yep. Uh, it's fun. Well, it sounds like you guys have had your season off to a good start. Why don't you talk a little bit about maybe some of the tactics that have worked for you guys so far? It's been a top water year from the start. Well, from the start, we started in the Southern Wisconsin opener and we got two fish on gliders right away. Okay. That's true. It was cooler water temp. That started like, uh, what was it? The 4th of of May. Yeah. Yeah, 4th or 5th of May down there. So a little bit earlier. And they were eating gliders back there. A bunch of people caught them on gliders, and they weren't really chasing tails yet. And then we caught me and him. I caught, what was it, 32? And he caught, like, a 31 or something down there for the opener. Then the northern Wisconsin opener, we decided to do a river float, which was pretty fun. Yeah, we went up to a northern Wisconsin river and did a float. A good friend of ours, Joe Junior, joined us. He's from over near Appleton. He caught one later right away, and Fisher caught one about noon. So, and both the fish were on top water. This past weekend slash week, we've had a lot of action on top water, mostly toppers, old toppers, anything that you can get to go slow across the water, still make a little bit of squeaky noise. It's really about subtle. It really is, and you can slow down a topper, and you'll move fish. And you run a you you run a a prop bait, and they're not at least our fish around here aren't looking at. Them. I mean, I mean, I can go right behind somebody with a with a topper, and like a topper stopper or an old Cisco kid or something in that nature, and the fish are coming unglued on it. And it's it's, it's what it does in the early season. So give it like another week, and they'll be all over. You know. Chaos Little Sisters and stuff like that. They'll be all over those all, all those prop baits. I have to admit, you know, one of the, the coolest topwater baits that I think that I used early in the season over here in Minnesota quite often was the old Super Humper, the old Musky Buster. It definitely was a, a bait, and I think I agree completely with what you guys are saying, how slow you can make it work. And now, that is a prop bait, but it's a head prop bait, but the coolest thing about that is the little rubber tail in the back and you could just make it go bloop, 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 you know, really, really slow and subtle and you, and you hit it on the head. It's all about sound. That bait I'm familiar with and it, it's not your snap, 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 like a chaos little sister or fat bastard or whatever. It just doesn't have that loud pop to it. It's just kind of subtle. That's what they seem to like in this early season. Especially I, I, in the 68 to 70 degree water temp. Yeah, I did get one on a flap tail on Saturday. Went really slow on a flap tail, caught one on a Babe Candles uh, flap tail. He makes a really good one. It's subtle. It really is. It used to be there, too. I'd run, I'd run top raiders real early where I would basically run them as fast where you could just see the rotation of the blade go around and just up, up really, really, really slow. But that's kind of just, like, just what Brad's doing, too, with, that, with his bait, too. I think the bottom line is, is that, you know, 
there's a time and a place for any kind of top water, whether, you know, you have so many different choices to make in today's world. I mean, you, you kind of talked about flat tails, an incredible bait. And it's something that I think a lot of people think about that first cool down in the fall, you know, the beginning of uh, September, the end of August, somewhere in there. But ultimately, there's times and places for those throughout the whole season. And I think you can get by doing some of that kind of stuff early, too. It's just about that sound. And you got to figure out the frequency that these fish are wanting to go after. Exactly. I got, I don't know, 70, 80 topwater baits. And there's just a rhyme and reason there. It really is. They're all tools. And, you know, we use hog wobblers a lot. We use, I mean, just different things that with time on the water, I mean, when do you like using a hog wobbler fisher? You know, I mean, what was it? Because last year you caught six, seven good fish on hog wobblers. What was your key to your, your pattern on that? My pattern was running as slow as I could. And they were, they were crushing them in the morning. Cool morning. Every single time, cool morning. Black I, caught, I caught like four or five fish on them. The fish would just come waking in and crush it. I had two fish crush me out of the boat. They were just uh, coming unglued in the morning on those cool mornings in the summer. Yeah, and you could throw a loud prop bait and they wouldn't look at it at the time. Wouldn't look at it. We're fishing where the water is 76 degrees in the morning and it'll be 82 by the end of the day. So we're fishing right in the morning where the water's cool and they're not really chasing super fast, but they want something super subtle and slow in front of our face. I think a, a major key factor that we're talking about as well is speed of retrieval. And it's something that I love to talk about. And I, I honestly believe that speed of retrieval is probably number two to weather. And, and I've always said that. And so, you know, if you can mix that whole topwater scene with speed of retrieval, you're definitely going to benefit from that as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You guys have been on the water, what now, three weeks, I think it's been? Yeah, since the what, 28th of May, three weeks, yeah. probably. And before that, you were down in Iowa. Did you end up playing in southern Wisconsin as well? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we went to Iowa. I think it was like the 8th and 9th of April. With uh, Charlie Ridgeway down there, we did a show. That was a lot of fun. I'd never been in Iowa fishing that uh, over where we were. That was kind of interesting. New about the water. Then we went to the Wisconsin River for the the Southern Wisconsin opener. Caught a couple of fish there, so got a little tease. Then we went and did a bunch of bass fishing again. And you know we have that early season bass fishing over here in Wisconsin. It is truly a warm up for doing for getting into muskies. And I, you know, musky guys kind of shy on, on bass. I think bass fishing is the best thing. It's the best thing for kids. Fisher loves the bass fish, and his casting style is that. I mean. We were fishing on Sunday. A guy who was first fishing with said, I said, I said to Fisher, I said, I bet you can't dock skip a bait. And he took a lure chopper and he, he 10 skipped it underneath the log. <laughs> I mean, it's like, there's it, a way of doing it. And it's a lot of fun. You know, you can get that, run that bait where you're, you're casting and that bait is only a foot off the water all the way in and going underneath the, underneath the structure. He knows if you get the bait under there, the fish come out. So. It really helps with their casting. I mean, I'm more accurate every time I cast. If I'm, even if I'm casting to an edge of a weed line, I can still get it right where I want. I can thumb it, like stop it right where I want to go. Even like if you're bass fishing, you want to cast it under the tree. You don't want it to go up into the tree, so you can thumb it and slow your bait down. Well, I, de I definitely think you know there's something to be said about multi-species fishermen, and honestly, I know I've said this on the podcast before, but those that go out and they fish walleyes or they fish bass, they might even fish, you know, panfish of some sort. It doesn't matter what you're fishing, but multi-species fishermen seem to be the better muskie anglers. Well, a lot of cases you're kind of fishing for the food source for the muskies. <laughs> kind of got to figure out where they are, you know. But yeah, crappies, bluegills, it's a ball. I mean, we like to do it all. We fly fishing for bluegills. We had a ball doing that this year. I mean, it's just anything to I don't know, help your learning curve and anything? What do you think? Back to where you fly fishing, we had Joe Jr. over it. He brought his fly rod, and we are musky fishing with a fly rod. It was, I've never done that before. It was actually a lot of fun. I could see that could get really expensive. Yeah, we've talked to a few guys on the podcast, and yeah, I could definitely say it's going to get expensive quick. That's for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's right. I mean, Brad's good at talking people into buying gear. He talked me into buying, or he t- he's going to talk me into get some more he- headlocks from my collection as of the last episode. So stick around with Brad for a little while. He'll get you buying new stuff, and he, you know, right away. I stopped myself at two headlocks, two matlocks. That's all I got. Well, see, I'm a, I'm big into the matlocks, but I, you know, after the last episode, Brad's talking about the differences with headlocks, and now I got to go get a couple of those now too. You know, fortunately, I know a place I can get them from, but you know, it's it's still not free, right? No, they're not free. They're they're a great basis. We're good. I have a tendency though when I'm trolling them, is I might, I don't troll them in waters. You know, some of the stumpy floages around here, and I really should, but I just have a tendency to worry about a hundred dollar bait swinging back and forth behind the boat i guess yes. over the top of stump yeah. <laughs> when you're in seven six seven feet of water the stump's coming up four feet what you gotta remember guys is that uh they make more every day <laughs> and uh, you just gotta go out there and do a little more work and get that extra hundred dollars right i mean it's crazy i i understand completely where you're coming from and i think you know, as listeners are listening to this today, there's a ton of people out there, 85 bucks, a hundred dollars and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, they're effective baits and there's no question about it. I mean, supernatural is one of those baits that just plain works. So it's hard for me. I mean, I, the craziness is, is that I think as musky anglers, we're all addicts, right? And you get one and it proves out, you catch fish on it. And the next thing you know, okay, I need this color, and then the next color, and then, oh, there's 10 inches, there's eight and a half, there's 12s. I got to have all of those different sizes as well, and I, it's amazing what happens in this musky community. I once got on a trolling bite of eight-inch jakes around here, and I think I got 38-inch jakes. <laughs> and it's just, just because that's, that's what they're eating, and, you know, now... It doesn't work as good. That pattern doesn't work as good. Got to switch to something else, but I'm still stuck with 38 inch jakes. So I guess if somebody needs some. <laughs> I can tell you by sales data that that would probably be the lower of the jake sizes. The majority, <laughs> the majority are looking for, you know, for uh, tens. But I, I can attest to that, though. There was a point in time where I had a good bite, good solid bite on 8-inch jakes, too. I don't know. Maybe I just don't use them enough or, you know, fish have changed or whatever. But I, much like you, I don't know if I had 30 of them, but I definitely probably had about 10. Yeah. It was really different moving moving up here. When I was on Pewaukee, we were trolling down there, too. And, and uh, you know, smaller baits, smaller bagleys, smaller, you know, it, you, small baby death rate, stuff like that. Um, you know, and you're doing a lot of three two to three five, and, and that was kind of the magic number. We even on cold fronts, you'd even switch down to a storm thunder stick and go about one seven and catch. You could catch mid forty inch fish on a storm thunder stick, believe it or not. And um, got up here, and it's like, boy, these fish around here, they did not like it slow. And you have to cook it along four and a half, five 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 and a half miles an hour, and I do a lot of short line trolling on the flowages and I usually see the fish go airborne before the rod clicker goes off. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Brad, there is a couple people in Wisconsin that like to speed it up a little bit. They're not many. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think that's uh, a flavor of the month, right, Jeff? I mean, ultimately everybody's got their little secret bag of tricks and, and speed can definitely be a factor. I said it five minutes ago. You know, speed of retrieval. Well, it's no different in the trolling game as well. I, I will say early in the season, it seems like I'm more consistent with my speed. Later in the season, I will start playing with a little bit more increased speed. As it gets really, really cold water, I'll start slowing things back down again. But, you know, we all have our little bag of tricks. The nice thing is over here, is Fisher and I can go out, we could run six lines if we wanted but we typically run four. I like to run two boards and two flat lines. And I think that's just easier to handle when chaos is going on. Got a bunch of snags, too. And we're dealing with a lot of snags. I mean, sometimes we run a tight break line off a river channel and the flowages, and you might have uh, two down rods and then two boards, but all boards off one side. So you're playing around with it. It's a little bit different around here. Okay, so you, you just said something that, 
sparked my interest. You're running all the boards on one side of the boat. Can you uh, share with us why that's such an important thing? You're in 20 feet of water, but there's a channel that you're following, and the channel breaks from like 12 to 15 down to 20, you know, right there. That You want to run really tight, and that's where the best wood is right now on some of these old flowages, and the muskies hang in the wood. It's no different. Say you run a slammer or a, a headlock, a matlock or a 10-inch jake, and, and, you, and you'll run it, you know, 40 back or 50 back, but you're going to run one the inside like 40, then your other down rod on the, other, on the deeper side of the channel at like 50, and then you run just two just nomad planer boards. And I might even have one running five feet down on one of those. Often we'll get fish doing that too. I mean, I, Fisher can contend that he caught one in a tournament one time. and We were literally, we had a brand new Jake and we were like looking out in the water while we, we had another rod in, we were looking at this one, we're in 23 feet of water. You ever, look, you ever look at one when it trolls alongside the boat and you see a flash and you want to make, make sure, sure it tunes runs. right? That's what he was doing and all of a sudden a 39 comes up and crushes it. <laughs> Out of nowhere. <laughs> so that fish was two feet down and 20 feet of water. <laughs> it's fun to play around and you know, there's more to trolling and Brad can probably contest too. It's like it, everybody likes to troll when nothing, when they're not biting casting. And really you need to be trolling when they're biting casting too. And that's where you really get the success and, and then mix with the speeds and mix everything in. It's an art, you know, I mean, do I like casting? I, 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 I prefer casting. I really do. But you know, there's times and you, know, you got to be open-minded to present baits different ways. I personally don't have the, the amount of patience to throw when they're biting casting, but I'd rather just throw baits at them. I think I think that's pretty common, and I think it's really common when you're young. So <laughs> I get it, Fisher. Everybody, I think, prefers to get them, you know, casting. But there's an art form to trolling as well. And honestly, I I do truly enjoy the month of June for trolling. I do enjoy it again in November, even in October at different times. But at the end of the day, I would prefer to catch a fish casting. Absolutely. You know, Jason brought something up though. He talked about, you know, people wanting, you know, when they're, when they're not catching them casting, they'll go try to troll and they're not catching them trolling necessarily. I would say that works for people looking for new spots too. I think I want to say it was probably Dick that had, that, that talked about this, how, you know, you need to try new spots when the fish are moving because otherwise you basically you know, write spots off essentially because you went to them during, you know, like off, you know, when the fish are, fish are off anyways. So you know, to give your best foot forward, like Jason had kind of talked about, you need to make sure that you, you give the, you know, a different technique, a different spot. You know, you need to give it a chance during prime conditions as well. You hit the nail on the head right there. You got to do that. And I did that a lot when I was, I was guiding. When I, if I wasn't guiding that day, I was out, I, you know, Fisher got to spend a lot of time on the water where I was out hunting different spots. And, you know, we would, come back blank and i was just ruling out water ruling out patterns ruling out things so that when the clients got in the boat i mean they were they were on top of it and that was kind of my key at the time and it works so you got to put your time in it's all about you know we're, we're on the water four to five days a week even with gas prices away it is now it kind of cries a tear in my cheek and when all this money we're spending on gas but oh well that's why we got a smaller boat doesn't burn as much gas yeah we just bought a we just bought a 14-foot John boat uh, for doing float trips uh, with a 9-9 Johnson. It's kind of fun. So Just put a trolling motor on the front so you can run later. Yeah, and you're going to use a bass fishing too, I know. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that we could also say, too, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, this lake's off. I'm not catching fish. I'm not seeing fish. So they go try a different body of water, a new body of water, and they're having the same experience. I will say that if you're catching fish on your primary body of water and you're going to go explore, that's the time to do it. If you neglect to go when fish are actually active and actually eating, you're probably not going to learn as much, right? So you have to keep that in the back of your head too, kind of come a full circle to uh, what you guys were just talking about. All right. So 
Jason Fisher, we get this question once in a while. We've had people want to talk about, you know, kids and fishing. And obviously Fisher is a pretty good example of somebody that we can talk to about kids and fishing. Fisher, why don't you talk first off, you know, one, one question we get is gear. Why don't you talk a little bit about, say, the gear that you started with and then maybe talk about the gear that you're using now. So what I started with was 300 strength, which might be a small reel, but I had small hands, so I couldn't really hold a 400 size reel. So a smaller reel with shorter rod, I was using a 7.3 Elk River, which wasn't very big for figure eight, but it got the job done. It was a medium heavy, so it would, it would load in cock face room. And so it wasn't more of a, you don't want a pool cue seven and a half foot rod, you know what I mean? And uh, now I'm using an 810 Elk River with um, 300 Lex on it. So I've upgraded size of the rods. I'm still using a 300 size reel. But, uh, yeah, that's what I went from here. All right. And then when you, let's just talk a little bit about baits. You know, when you first started out, I get, I get that too. You know, hey, my, my daughter, my son's going to get into musky fishing. What should I throw for a bait? For me, I started with my daughter with a topwater bait mostly because, first off, you you know, it, it visually, if you get a strike on it, it's a pretty awesome thing. But second of all, I didn't have to worry about, you know, the bait sinking down into the weeds or hung up in rocks or wood or whatever. You know, if, if the, uh, you know, the angler doesn't make the transition over fast enough from when you're casting to when you need to start reeling, I didn't, there was no concern there. You know, why don't you talk a little bit about what, you, in your experience, Fisher, what did you do? So I threw a lot of upwater, like you were saying, because they don't get weeds, and the bite's cool. And I was throwing mostly top raiders and toppers, like we were talking about earlier. And I was even throwing little medusas. Mid-medusas were probably my favorite, and they still are my favorite bait right now. They're pretty much good all around the year, and they're easy to throw. They're not like throwing pounders. Back then, I would start around with Top waters because they're easy, and then I'm, and then if it was later in the season, I'd throw gliders and even suix, like nine inch wood suix or nothing really that big because I was pretty small. I think you're 102 pounds right now. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you? Uh, not not five foot. You're what? Four eleven and seven. <laughs> I got two of my boys that are like that too. Like my, my one son, I don't know. What is it? You can get out of a car seat when you're eight and 80 pounds, eight and 80 pounds or something like a booster seat. And he's still got to be in a, in a booster seat, even though he's, he's eight, but he's going to be stuck in there forever. I think he only weighs like 60 pounds. So he's, he's a little guy as well. And my, my little old, my older son, he's still younger than Fisher. I think he just turned 11, but same kind of deal. He's, he's in that same boat, you know, he's, he's smaller and, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't, obviously it doesn't take a, a big person to catch a big muskies, right? No, the, the equipment nowadays is so much better for kids. It's so much kid-friendly. You know, I mean, the reels are, whether it's a, a 300 Tranks or, or 300 Lexa or, or you know, even a four, you use a 400 Tranks a lot, too. You yeah. know, I mean, it's like, or even a Beast, you get, you get a Beast. They're not bad. They're, they're really not oversized equipment. They cast a lot better than the older, you know. I grew up with Garcia 6,500, 5,500s. I mean, that was my day. That was the bread and butter. I still got a, a whole box of them in the, in the garage. It's, you know, it, it's like the, the gear is so much better. The garage is so much better. Everything's better. So um, back to when we were talking about kids getting fishing. If you're a dad and you're getting a kid in fishing or even a, a mom, I wouldn't give the kid a rod. If you have a fish and eat and you, like, you bring them all the way into the boat and they're five feet away from the net, don't give the kid a rod. It's not gonna. He's not gonna have any fun, and the experience is not there. Like I lost a lot of fish. I still lose a lot of fish. But the accomplishment of when you get a muskie, it's way more fun if you get a muskie by yourself versus someone handing you the rod. Yeah, I would say that. I could definitely agree with that. So I guess Fisher, you got any tips for um, you know a younger angler starting out? I'm gonna chime in on here. And I think when a parent takes a child out, spend your time with them. I mean, if the, if the kid can only handle two hours on the water, the kid can only handle two hours on the water. But make it fun for them. And, you know, make sure that it's all about them and not about you. If you got to sit in the bow 
and just help them and pick every backlash with them, that's what you do. When I first started, when I was like five or six, when I first started casting, you, or before I started casting on myself when I was four, you would cast the bait out and I would reel it in all by myself. And then I'd do the figure eights, hand it to you, Rod, you'd cast it back out there and then I'd reel it back in. Literally sitting on my right side and just cast, hand it to him, cast, hand it to him, cast, hand it to him. And that was, you know, you still had to set the hook. You had to do everything. But it was a it was a good transition to when every kid's a little different story. I didn't have the motor skills yet to cast yeah. the rod over the top of my head. It's all about motor skills. I mean, Fisher learned how to cast when he was five. Really good. My daughter, seven. My other son, about seven. It, it, it really depends on, on where you're at uh, on your motor skills. So, Fisher, let's talk about gear now. What size length rod are you using today? I'm using, I have a 8.6 for my rubber, 8.6 extra heavy. I have um, a heavy Elk River, 8.10 for bucktails, and then I have a 9.3, and then I also use a 8-foot Elk River heavy for jerkbaits and gliders. I like shorter rods for jerkbaits and gliders because it's just easier to like snap the, snap the line in your hand or snap the rod in your hand instead of having a really long rod using jerk baits and gliders. So definitely starting to, you know, push the envelope as far, you know, as far as rod length. Uh, do either of you two, I mean, uh, Fisher, you might not be, but Jason, are any of you guys using rods over nine feet yet? Because that's obviously longer and longer seems to be the trend. I got two nine threes and a nine, and that's the top and the mine. And it's pretty much like Fisher said, eight, six up or eight foot up. And that's, that's kind of our, our bread and butter. So, um, I use my nine, three a lot. I really do. I, I, it's a great buck to run. I got a nine, three extra heavy and a nine, three heavy. and Even a two X heavy top water. I mean, I like a long rod for top water cause I like to be able to pick that line up quick. I mean, I'm, I'm not a hook setter on top water. Fisher isn't either. I mean, we let the fish eat. He fish turns, goes down, you load the rod and you catch him. And I mean, just being patient, it, we, we get fish doing that. That's what it is. All right. So, you know, guys, we talked a lot about a very a variety of topics, but for anglers looking to hit the water in the next, you know, say the next couple of weeks, these fish are starting to make that transition. Some of them, most of them probably already have from, you know, post-spawn to, to summer. You want to talk a little bit about tactics and locations that you guys are looking for? This is one of my favorite times of the year. The fish are post-spawn. The big girls, you know, early on, we're moving 34, 33 inches and, you know, occasional 38 or whatever. Now we're starting to see some good ones. Big ones are just getting done after recovering after spawning. They're moving up on the flats, and this is the time to get a really nice fish. Over the years in my area, typically the 9th to the 20th was, you know, when I was guiding everything, you always caught some of your biggest early fish then. It just was. I mean, that's when the, you know, 48s and 47s showed up and you, know, you hadn't seen them all year. And, uh, you know, it seems like in some of those cases with the pressured waters that we got around here, you might only have one or two chances and that fish won't be seen again until September. I mean, it's just, they drop down in the flowage and, and I mean, you got like one shot when they're shallow and, and if you can, if you can capitalize on it, it's good. I guess my favorite thing about this time of year is throwing little bucktails and small toppers like we were talking about earlier. And moving on, they're going to start eating bigger bucktails and crop baits. But as the weeds, as the water's getting warmer, because it's warming up, getting further in the summer, the weeds are going to start coming up to the surface and you'll be able to follow a really good weed line. Right now, the weeds are still six inches below the surface. So you can cast your top water baits all the way across the the weed flats and it's a little bit easier to run the spots but as soon as it's a little higher you'll be able to the fish will move out to the instead of them being in the middle of the weed bed they'll be out on the edges and more turning right. channels what's one of your favorite baits for doing that i mean i know a black and orange one that you like a lot a junior cowgirl oh yeah you know i mean fisher likes to work them he he likes a transition baits in both sides and uh, he picks up on it really good and, and I'd say that's why he catches a lot of figure eight fishes. He will work a bait four or five feet down over 10. And then it's more of a, you know, swing the rod, 
make the easier transition by the boat and then high in the corners. And it's like, you don't, we just fish to not look at it. The only time you expect to fish is when in the corners, right? That's in the corner. I always hang on the corner, slow the bucktail down. And I'm just waiting for a fish to come up and grab it right there. Yep. He's got an orange and black cup, junior cowgirl. <laughs> it's, it's chewed up. It's chewed up. It's, it's one of your. It's, it's of one of your real old ones, Brad. I, we probably I probably owned it for the ten years or so, and it's that one. And you know the other. It, it seemed like the nines were really good. We've been throwing a lot of nines lately. Uh, there was a time when tens were were good, but I don't know. It seems like pressure. Sometimes you got to go down to a nine or even an eight. You know, we're using seven nines last year a lot too. I appreciate that guys, you know, and, and you guys are doing a great job and love working with you. And, and I appreciate everything you do for us. So that's super cool to hear. It's hard to beat a, a junior cowgirl in that aspect, you know, where you're trying to get those baits to hang kind of right over top of that structure. And then as you go into your eight, I mean, they'll just hang right in that corner and that's usually where it ends up getting done. I think some of my favorite bucktails this time of year, like the past few weeks have been, Rabbit squirrels and rabbit girls, they run really high in the water top, burn pretty fast across the weed. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. I, I think, you know, over the years, I think, it, I think it's been 18 years now. <laughs> it's kind of hard to believe. But, but anyway, I mean, we've kind of gotten the whole mix and the whole gamut of the blade side of things. So it's super cool that you can, you can mix in all of that into your arsenal and actually make things effective on the water. Yeah. I got a neat story with that. You know, when I moved up here in 03, obviously, you know, I went, I went West. I went to Malak. I went, you know, I pounded the North shore and I caught it in the Hayden and it was, I don't know, probably 04, 05. And a buddy of mine from the twin cities is in my boat. He pulls out this silly girl. And, you know, it was the rubber skirted one when he first came out and he was tearing me up. <laughs> he was like, these fish were coming unglued. I mean, I had to have one the next week. I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely when I saw the tens really, uh, really shined. Hey Brad, is that silly girl even something you guys still do anything with? No, we, we haven't made the silly girl for quite a while, but it, you know, he basically just called it out. I mean, it was a double cowgirl with uh, three silicone rubber skirts and pretty much exact same thing as a cowgirl, just whole different material skirting. And, uh, yeah, that one, uh, that was, a, that was, a, you know, wake up. And then I got, some, you know, some of your, some of your bread and butter cowgirls, the old number 10s, the Chardon Black or, you know, the, the orange ones. I mean, they were all just money on the last for years. So until, until it crashed and what about oh eight it started to get slow and then I stopped fishing Malax about two thousand twelve. Yeah, it's a really unfortunate deal. I mean Malax was so special and and it's cool to hear that you got in on that, Jason. I mean, there's so many people. I just had an old client of mine reach out to me the other day and basically say, Hey, you know, I missed the whole deal on Malax because I was fishing and catching fish on other bodies of water and just neglected it. So it's amazing to me, you know, I mean, it's cool to hear some of those stories because I don't know if we'll ever see those heydays again. I mean, it was absolutely incredible fishing. I mean, I, I the best week I ever had out there, we had, we had rented out cabin at Red Door. You know, your occasional celebrity was coming and you'd see Pete Maine and a few people come in during the middle of the week and it was in its heyday and uh, Mike Kep was in my was in the boat with us, and buddy of mine from the cities, and uh, another guy named Randy Pafford, and we caught twenty eight muskies in seven days from forty to forty nine. Yeah, that's what that's what it was all about, really. I mean, it was truly, truly phenomenal fishing, and and I think honestly, it's kind of jaded some of the anglers to the point where a lot of them don't even want to fish anymore. I mean, it was so incredible, and. You know, I hear it a lot from a lot of Minnesota anglers where they're like, well, I'm I'm from Minnesota and I only catch 50 inches and that's all I care about and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I, I still think you need to remember each fish is special and, and you need to not take any of that for granted because 
we're all out there working for the same thing. We all want to catch a 50-inch fish. But at the end of the day, you're going to catch a bunch in between that. So enjoy them all and actually go out and just have fun fishing muskies. I mean, that's what it's truly, truly about. I mean, two years ago, Fisher got his first 50. He got a 50 and a half in Minnesota. But what was your most memorable fish that year? It was, I got a 49-incher on a bucktail, went around four turns on the figure eight. And that fish was so hot. But it was a Wisconsin one. Yeah, 49-inch Wisconsin. It was 49 by 23. Really heavy fish. That was heavier than the 50-incher than I got. That, that's so awesome, Fisher. And, and, you know, the neat thing about that is, is that's the kind of stuff that sticks in your brain. And you have to celebrate each one of them. That's what I'm talking about. I, I think that's so cool. And congrats on both of those. I mean, that's incredible fish. But, you know, I if you watch, like, if you watch, like, if we go back to the, the Southern Wisconsin opener and, and, and you Fisher pops a 32-and-a-half-incher on a glider, I mean, he is high-fiving me. He's like, Let's go, let's go. We're having I mean, a typical Wisconsin male fish in the spring, and he's having as much fun with it as if he stuck a 50 inch. And we'll go back, it'll be like November. I'll still be talking about a 32 inch that I caught way in July or something. They remember every fish that I caught in the year. Well, you know, that's that's the way it really should be, right? I mean, you know, in today's day and age, all you hear is 50 50 50. And, you know, it's like, that's all everybody wants to talk about, but really, you, sh you know, you should celebrate them all. I mean, they're all difficult to catch regardless of how, how big or small they are. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing is, is, is with the amount of time that he's spent on the water, it's kind of interesting that we'll pull up to a spot on a certain lake and I'll see him dive for the tackle box. And he opens it up and he pulls out a bait and he knows that two years ago he caught a fish on that bait on that spot. <laughs> yeah absolutely well guys before we let you go i want to ask one question you talked a lot about bucktails do you guys do much with like single bladed bucktails uh yeah like i said uh we're throwing a single bladed uh wouldn't grab the rabbit squirrel and all that i like those you know chaos uh single blades too they're these socks of salt they're pretty good and there's a time for it i, I like old boot tails some some old uh, Hirsch ghost tails sometimes. Some homemade tails that we make in the back shop. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a tail and take all the weight out of it and put on, you know, go from a Colorado to an Indiana. You can really kind of whip a, a medium-sized Indiana bucktail with no weight in it. And because we're going to get right now, we're going to get weeds that are going to be like two to three inches to the surface pretty soon here. And you got to be able to run and bulge right over that top. and you got to somehow create a tool to do that. And when we're doing that, we're not running the bucktail so when we're bulging it. We're cruising them along. And when the fish eat it, they turn sideways and they get hooked in the corner every time. It's a fun bite. All right. So, you know, guys, we've done this on, I don't know, a handful of podcasts. And whenever I think about it, we end up finishing up the podcast with one tip to help somebody put more fish in the net. We'll say for this coming weekend, what do you guys have to help people catch more fish this weekend? So I would start off throwing smaller baits because later in the fall, the fish might have a bigger appetite, but right now they're just going to come spawn. We catch a lot of fish on smaller lures like a Cisco Kid topper or, or a topper stopper. Smaller baits work really good this time of year. I'd say my tip would be, you know, downsizing, you know, four or five inch bucktails still, you know, Mid Medusa too. I mean, definitely a definitely a good teeth. I mean, these, these fish are are ready to roll right now. So it's, that's our patterns right now. Awesome. Been working for. Them. You know, we got. Stay tuned for. I mean, we got a league season coming out. We're we're, we're filming like every weekend. It it's kind of fun how we do that. Last year we we had thirty five teams and we won it and we won it again in eight. We won it in eighteen. We won it in twenty one and. It's quite an accomplishment. We got some really good muskie anglers, you know, uh, Matthew Ross, Jordan Klingbell, uh, Shane McLaughlin, uh, a lot of you know Brian Crosby, a lot, lot of good muskie anglers in our league. And so to uh, to to win it is kind of fun to do. It's you know not as much of a prize we do, but 
um, get a little metal plaque with your name on it. <laughs> name on it. A couple of babes. It it keeps us going. It gives you an excuse to go in the middle of the week and it forces you to think outside the box. And our our league is fourteen nights during the year. You get to pick your day during the week. So it's, you know you have to look at strategy of the weather. You look at strategy of everything, or sometimes your own schedule. You pick Thursday night because you got a moonrise at like eight p.m. and and that's your strategy and the weather's coming in. Uh, it all plays into it, makes it a lot of fun. And then you see all your buddies doing other nights. And, you know, we don't even tell what lakes we go to. Nobody knows what lakes. There's 18 different lakes that we fish. And we do it on Fish Donkey. And all, all your times get recorded and everything. It's fun. It really is. And it's fun to, trans, you know, learn the different strategies throughout the year. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, in the fall, when we start to do a few more musky tournaments, I mean, we're pretty dialed in on certain patterns. It, it, we, we know how to do things. And just messing around with a little bit of tournaments or a little bit of league is, is a great way to kind of help you get out of the box. Yeah, definitely. So, you, you know, before we get out of here, for people that are looking to check out your YouTube channel, how do they go about doing that again? Uh, you can go to YouTube and look for uh, Smith Fishing Outdoors. I think we've got, I don't know, like 140-some videos in there. We're at about... 2.4 thousand subscribers right now trying to grow the channel so yeah i would love to you know love to have more subscribers obviously and helps grow it and comments we love comments we reply to almost every single comment that people put on our videos yeah it's a tremendous amount of work that it takes to you know to keep up with all that stuff the comments the posting the videos the editing i mean i you know it's it's great that you guys have been able to keep the streak going for so long i wish i could do it but i just can't there's just not enough hours in the day but hey, it's it's fun. I get to it's watch not, a few of them, you know. It's not a money maker. Oh, it's it's you know we buy, like I said we end up turning around and buying a GoPro or buying a camera for it. It's just kind of reinvesting into it, and you know if we can build it up, we're you know that's kind of the point. With Fisher can run it a hundred percent on his own, you know in the next couple of years that I can, I can step back. That's fine. And then he can just kind of carry it on, maybe even make some money for college or, or whatever. Or a boat or something. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what it is. But right now I don't, you know, it's not a huge money maker. AdSense dollars that they kick out is it, it's, it's not as high as he really, it really should be, but it's fun. Well, guys, we want to thank you for coming out and talking musky fishing with us tonight. And we want to thank all of our listeners for, you know, putting up with us again for their episode. Hope you guys have a really great summer on the water. And I'm sure that we'll get you back on the podcast again at some point. I know we've been trying to do this for, I don't know, quite some time. But uh, sometimes Brad and I have a list together of people that we want to, you know, contact. And other times we just say, well, I know I can get this guy right now. So let's go talk to them. <laughs> it's not always the most sophisticated way we put guests together. But... I'm glad we finally got to do it. So thanks again, guys. Thanks again to our listeners. We'll catch everybody again with a new episode again next Wednesday. Sounds good. Thank you.